smart is the hero. When my time on earth is gone and my activities here are past, I want they bury me upside down and my critics can kiss my Now here's your host, Matt Dennison. It's Indiana, what I feel is the pinnacle, the absolute pinnacle of all of college basketball. Hello, welcome in. Wednesday edition of the program. Glad to have you with me today. And uh, we're inching closer to the season. Big weekend of high school football coming up. Last weekend of high school football coming up. We'll talk about everything and more today in the show. Don't forget the Thornton's text line is open. That number 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. You got a question, a comment, you want to sound off about IU football, basketball, local sports, you can do so. 502-414-1450 is the number you can reach me at during this hour each and every day that we're on the air. Thornton's is the perfect stop for all the best pick-me-up items you need to get your day started, like their fresh uh, coffee and delicious donuts. And let's look at the show lineup for today, a service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Segment one, some headlines, some recruiting, a little bit on Trace Jackson Davis from Big Ten Media Days, which, by the way, continued today. Yesterday, Indiana was featured, and of course, uh, more teams featured today and throughout the remainder of the day yesterday once Coach Woodson, one of the earlier coaches, as was Coach Moore and the women's coach for IU, to get their media day duties out of the way. But Big Ten Media Days continue today, so we'll catch up on that as well. And we'll look at high school football for the weekend as well. We'll take you through the schedule, the final week of regular season play. It is hard to believe that we're in October. The middle of October, it is hard to believe that high school football is coming to a close. It's really hard to believe that a lot of the different sports are coming to a close. Soccer is headed into the regional round. Tennis state tournament is coming up as well. And so many of the sports that that kicked off the high school season will soon be coming to a close here over the coming weeks. Uh, Also, later in the show, we'll be joined by Dustin Dopierak of the Bloomington Herald Times. He's the IU beat writer for the Herald Times, and he'll join us to talk IU football and basketball today. We'll recap what Coach Woodson had to say at Media Day yesterday. Trace Jackson Davis talking a lot about uh, shooting some three-pointers this season, and so we'll discuss that as well today on the program. Later, Josh Cook, sports editor of the News and Tribunal, stopped by, and there's so much going on with all sports right now. Uh, So many state tournaments going on, sectional pairings for football. We have no shortage of local sports topics to break down with Josh Cook when he joins us a little bit later in the hour today. That's the show lineup, a service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Don't forget to check out their dinner package deals, which are being offered. You can dine in, take them to go, and curbside service is still available as well at Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. All right, some headlines today. And another plug for the Thornton's text line, 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. Jalen Harrelson, a name from Fishers High School that we're already talking a ton about. We did so as a freshman, so no reason we won't do the same as a sophomore. He was one of four players inside the top ten of the 247 sports rankings that was in attendance at USA Basketball's October minicamp, which is a gathering Basically, of the best high school players in the country, with a couple classes combined, six foot seven combo guard can handle the basketball, can shoot the basketball. I think I'm safe to go ahead and predict to you today that he's going to be an NBA talent. I think he has that sort of ability, that sort of potential. Uh, he is that kind of guy. But he was interviewed there in Colorado Springs, the home of USA Basketball in this minicamp, 
and just talking about schools. It's still very early in his recruiting, but his recruiting is really blowing up. He listed Auburn and Florida State, Gonzaga, Indiana, Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State, and Purdue as schools, many others that are involved with him as well. But definitely uh, a player this high school basketball season, if you're a Hoosier fan or just a fan of good basketball in our state, you want to follow this guy because he's got the potential, I think, to be the next really great player out of the Hoosier State. Uh, special guy, special talent, big guy that's versatile, that can handle and shoot the ball, as I mentioned. And it's going to be interesting to see how things materialize for him. And it's going to be interesting to see where Indiana remains because right now, from what we know, they're in a really good position with Harrelson for it being such a young recruitment. He's been on campus a few times. Uh, there seems to be good communication from what we can know or learn between him and the coaching staff. And we've had his high school coach from Fishers on this program before. We've heard his words on Coach Woodson. So going to be interesting to see. This is maybe Coach Woodson's first go at a Romeo player in the state. Can he keep Harrelson here? He's going to have a lot of big competition and a lot of big suitors as well. But uh, interesting guy to follow. There's no question about that. Also, Trace Jackson Davis and Race Thompson, they were the two IU players that were featured yesterday at Big Ten Media Days. And one of my most fun things to watch is how these guys dress up. They take it serious. Uh, Trace Jackson Davis had on one of the coolest suits that I've seen, uh, a cream and crimson striped suit, much like the candy striped pants, but very good looking. Looked sharp yesterday. It did TJD. One of the best players in the Big Ten Conference, at least you're expected to be for the upcoming season. So I guess you have the expectation you need to be one of the best dressed as well. But he was looking sharp. And funny enough, uh, he talked a little bit about three-point shooting. That's not what we think about Trace. But maybe as we think of him as an NBA prospect and a player at that level in the future, if he's going to reach that level, is we know he's got to come out on the floor. And whether it's three-point range or not, or whether it's on the wing or not, I think everybody understands to take his game to the next level a little bit further out on the floor is what Trace needs to figure out and maybe work on this upcoming season without totally forgoing his interior presence and the difference he can make at the college level in the Big Ten this season. So he was asked about that, and somebody said, you know, you got to have a three-point celebration because in his career right now at Indiana, he's 0 for 3 from long range. He's never hit a three-pointer in the college basketball uh, time he's been at IU. He said... Quote, I don't know about any three-point celebration because this man right here, pointing at Mike Woodson, is not a big fan of those in a joking manner. But it will be interesting. I, I think at some point we'll see Trey shoot a couple threes. I don't know that. I think we'll definitely see him this year step out on the floor more. I know there was hope that maybe we would see that from him a little bit more last year as he was thought to be his last year at Indiana and thought to be heading possibly to the NBA to play professional basketball. That obviously is not the route he took. Uh, coming back to Indiana, he had the COVID situation right around NBA draft combine workout time. But uh, it will be interesting to see what Trace uh, does as far as his game, what nuances he brings, what he's perfected, uh, and is he able to add that perimeter range to his game. It sounds like that definitely has been something he's been working on here in the offseason, no question about that. A couple other things to mention here in our headline segment today. Indiana getting ready for its Week 7 game, football that is, Week 7 game at 3.30 p.m. on Saturday against Maryland. And, of course, Maryland has the great quarterback, uh, I think it's uh, Tagovalia. I'm not even sure if I'm pronouncing it right, but he's second in the Big Ten with 1,700-plus uh, passing yards this season. And uh, Indiana definitely 
reeling in football after a 3-0 start to the 2022 campaign. Indiana is back at 500. The Terrapins in early lines out earlier this week that I saw are favored by 11 points, and currently Maryland has a 4-2 record on the game. So it's a Maryland team, team with some speed and athleticism. Uh, they've got a deep uh, wide receiver core, I know that, and uh, some guys that definitely have looked impressive this season. So definitely a challenge for the Hoosiers, who will be on the road this weekend as they take on Maryland, and Indiana desperately, desperately needs a win this weekend. There is absolutely no question about that. A couple other notes, high school football coming up, the final week of the regular season. Charlestown at Salem, excuse me, that's their sectional game. Charlestown will host Eastern Pekin in the final week of the regular season, so the Pirates will look to finish the season undefeated. Don't forget the game with Providence, the Pioneers had to forfeit due to using and an eligible uh, player for that game. So the one blemish in the scoring column for Providence this season officially has been wiped away, and Providence, uh, I should say Charlestown, will have a chance to finish the regular season slate undefeated. And there should be no problem doing that. They're going to take on an Eastern Pekin team who is just 1-7 on the season. And if you look at their scores, outside of a few games this season, they have really gotten manhandled when they've taken on some of the better competition on their schedule this season. So Charlestown and Coach Jason Hawkins, they entered the regular season with a lot of buzz, and they could finish the regular season with a lot of buzz if they can finish with that undefeated record heading into what I think is going to be a fun 3A sectional to follow for the Pirates. They have a chance. They're one of the favorites, but that is a really good sectional with some traditionally good high school football programs in our state. Also, Clarksville, they will look to finish the regular season with the win. They take on Crawford County. Uh, the Wolfpack having a dismal season at 0-8. You want to talk about non-competitive scores. Crawford County's been beaten 42-0, 54-0, 62-0, 56-0, 71-0.They've had a couple games where they scored one or two touchdowns, but never have they scored more than 12 points in a game so far this year. So Clarksville should be able to improve its record to 4-5 and five to finish the season. And I think that's progress for Coach Bozier and the Generals, who were 3-8 and eight a year ago, 3-7 and seven back in the COVID year of 2020, 3-7 uh, and seven in 2019. But you don't have to go back too far to 2018 when the Generals were 0-10 and 10 and 18 and 17 and 16 and in 15, 0-10 and 10 in all of those years. They went four years without a win in our high school football scene locally. Also, Floyd Central, I had said a few weeks ago, I thought maybe they were one of the teams coming on as they prepare to finish up the season. Uh, they had a couple blemishes. They lost to Bedford North Lawrence in a very competitive game. Then they lost to Jennings County in a close game, which is a game I thought for sure Floyd Central would win. So my confidence in them is waning a little bit. I thought they had turned the corner, headed to the end of the season. They will take on New Albany. So it's 3-5 and five Floyd Central against a New Albany team that is having plenty of its own struggles this year as well. New Albany 2-6 and six on the year. They had uh, you know, uh, wins over uh, this year over Jennings County and Jeffersonville were the two lone wins this season for New Albany. So could the Floyd-New Albany game be competitive? P possibly. I would give Floyd Central the nod in that contest. But, uh, again, it's not been a banner season for either team, nor has it been for Jeffersonville. They will look to finish out their 1-6 season currently at Jennings County on Friday. The good news for Jeff, Jennings County is not very good. It could be a game they could compete and win in. 
and try to finish the regular season with two wins. Uh, also, Providence, uh, of course, we've got to add a second loss to the record. That Charlestown game officially comes off the books. It was a 35-28 win for the Pioneers. So officially, they will have lost to Charlestown and Louisville Holy Cross this season. But that game on Friday, they will play at North Harrison, who is 6-2. That is probably the game that I am most excited to take in on Friday night. I think that uh, it should be a good game. I think it's a good test for Providence before they head to a 1A sectional. We're like Charlestown in 3A. The Pioneers, I think, could be very competitive in their respective sectional. North Harrison, going back to that Charlestown game earlier in the year, they lost 39-13, so that was the score there. The win for Providence, at least on the scoreboard that night, 35-28, so they were you know, much more competitive and actually scored the win over Providence, so uh, we'll see how that plays out. But uh, I think Providence-North Harrison, uh, outside of the New Albany-Floyd rivalry, is a game to really pay attention to if you're looking for a good one for Friday night football in the final week of the regular season. And then one other local team in action, obviously Silver Creek 3-5. and five. They play at Cordon Central this week, a good tune-up game for the Dragons. The, they'll take on the 3-5 and five Panthers, so both of those teams with like records as they head into the final week uh, of the regular high school football season. Where did the fall go? Where did the month of September go? Uh, hard to believe that we are headed to that time of year, and a week from this Friday... We'll have some good sectional action uh, here across the state, across southern Indiana. Always one of my favorite weeks of the fall is getting that postseason football started because you've got so many of the other tournaments that are coming down the home stretch in their respective postseasons as well. That's a look at our headlines for this Wednesday edition of the program. We'll head to a commercial break. When we come back, Dustin Dopierak of the Bloomington Herald Times is with us. We'll talk all IU basketball and football and more. The Thornton text line is 502-414-1450. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Let's win this and for all the small schools who never had a chance to get here. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Let's win for Coach. You got us here. Here's Matt Dennison. All right, welcome back here on this Wednesday program. And we've got a little bit of breaking news. Uh, According to John Rothstein with College Hoops Today, who just recently had Mike Woodson on his podcast, Indiana and Kentucky are in advanced discussions to play a multi-year series with games both on campus and at neutral sites, according to multiple sources uh, at College Hoops Today and John Rothstein reporting. So I don't think anybody's surprised if you've been listening to the show recently or following things that Indiana and Kentucky are in discussions. I think that's kind of been widely expected, but to play games both on campus and at neutral sites, I think, is a surprise. I think everyone assumes, with Coach Cal at UK, this would be a neutral site series, that now that Woodson is the boss at IU, uh, maybe there could be the, the agreement to play on neutral sites, but apparently it, it could be a multi-year agreement with games on campuses and at neutral sites over the coming years. That is exciting. That is what college basketball in Kentuckiana is all about. And if this happens, and hopefully sooner rather than later, 
I think this is great news for Indiana, for Kentucky, for basketball here in our area because we know how much hype goes around these rivalry games. If you live in southern Indiana, we're at the heart of this show, you know how big of a deal the Kentucky-Louisville game is every year. And so to add Indiana-Kentucky to the mix, and I know that there's been conversations, at least publicly, by both coaches between Kenny Payne at Louisville and Mike Woodson at Indiana, that there could be an IU-Louisville series as well at some point. Uh, that's just exciting. To me, that's what it's all about. And in the non-conference, what a better treat for fans than to have the opportunity to have those kind of rivalry games. All right, Dustin Dopierak of the Bloomington Herald Times is with me right now. Dustin, what do you make of this breaking news that there might just not be Indiana-Kentucky games? Uh, they could also be on campus, not just at neutral sites. Yeah, I'll be very interested to see how that uh, turned. Um, I think... Um I mean I, I mean, I think one thing of interest, obviously, is I think Calipari did, I guess, agree to play in the kennel with the Gonzaga series. They obviously decided to get that thing going. Um, if So has he had a change of heart? I don't know. That's very interesting because this summer, again, when Woodson was talking about it, and he was talking about it pretty openly um, about wanting to get a Kentucky series when he was talking at, uh, uh, at Huber Farms, uh, he said Calipari was very clear about not wanting to play on campus. Uh, basically, just really not wanting to play at Assembly Hall, but that was something Mike Woodson led with and said, you know, I, I, I want to do this. But he said he didn't want any part of that. So I'd be interested. I mean, this, what this would mean is it has to be a, a significant change of heart on Calipari's end. Um, and because, you know, that was the guy who, I mean, he himself personally was holding it up. He did not want to play at Assembly Hall at all again. Um, so if it's changed, that's a change of heart on his part, and I'm very interested to see why. Uh, and he's got it. The thing is, he's got to have a reason. Uh, that's one thing that uh, um, everybody, I think, knows about Calipari is Calipari doesn't do anything for no reason. Calipari doesn't just decide one day that he doesn't care about not playing on campus anymore. He's got to have a reason why he wants to do it. So I'm very interested to see how that, how his uh, calculations there have moved because there's got to be a reason. And so, frankly, <laughs> before I was Indiana, if I were Indiana before I knew what his reason was, I'd be a little bit nervous about doing it, <laughs> to, be, to be fair. Um, so, but yeah, very intriguing, and and you know, I mean, it's it's great for the series to get back going again. Obviously, that was a lot of fun. I mean, even even what yeah. little I got to see of it, um, you know, just those we were like first three years in the beat, um, and certainly the eleven and twelve season when they got to play twice with the obviously with the watch shot, and then uh, a, a really brilliant game in the tournament. Even though you know Kentucky won it by ten, but it was a really artistically well played game. You know, by really both of those teams were clipping pretty good. Kentucky obviously ended up winning the title uh, after that. So I mean, some some just terrific play in that game down in Atlanta. Um, so I think it, it, it's obviously better for everybody if they play it. Um, but I'll be very interested to see what the reasons are if they do end up going back to campuses. Yeah, this is very interesting news. And again, John Rothstein, College Hoops Today, reporting that Indiana and Kentucky are in what he wrote, uh, advanced discussions to play a multi-year series with games both on campus and at neutral sites. Dustin, I'm with you. If we had got a report today that the game had been scheduled for future seasons at neutral sites, based on what we've heard lately, I don't think anyone would be surprised. It's the opportunity for campus games that it just is a kind of bizarre in a good way, bizarre to hear that this is a possibility now. Yeah, no, totally. I mean, he was just very clear about not winning it. Um, and, and just like what, you know, it, it, and, and that's why it shut down in the first place. I mean, you know, Fred Glass and, uh, you know, Tom Crean tried to do a, you know, on-campus and neutral site uh, mix. 
um, in 2012, basically when Calipari decided he was done. Uh, you know, you know, that's what Crane and Fred Glass pushed for. And Fred Glass was, you know, really, really wanted to get uh, sites on campus. I mean, they even gave us the contract. Uh, you know, basically like the the, the offer they had made uh, to Kentucky. Uh, basically, wanted to get that out public and gave it to us as part of a FOIA request. Um, and so. You know, like they, they really wanted it out there. That's what they wanted to do. They did not want the series to end, and they wanted that they were willing to do neutral sites, but if they also did campus. I mean, Fred Glass's thing was every IU student who goes four years should have the opportunity to see one IU Kentucky game at Assembly Hall. That was Fred Glass's logic. Um, and Calipari wanted no part of that. Um, you know, didn't like the, the court storming, didn't like the atmosphere, didn't like any of it, just didn't want any part of it. And so, you know, again, it's be very intriguing to see what the reason is. After all these years of shutting it down and saying no, why now? You know, why, 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 why move off of your marker now? Uh, I, I'll be very interested to see what, you know, because something changed, and I'd be interested to see what it is. Yeah, absolutely. Good news for Indiana, and I think Kentucky fans as well, if this thing holds and this report has merit. I respect John Rothstein. I mean, he just had Mike Woodson on the podcast not too long ago and the indiana kentucky series came up but this takes things to a whole new level with his report that neutral site and campus site games are part of the discussion between iu and uk right now talking with dustin dopirak he covers iu basketball and football for the bloomington herald times and joins us wednesdays on the show um big 10 media days continues we got a chance to hear from mike woodson yesterday also trace jackson davis and race thompson represented the hoosiers uh, at Minneapolis as well. I, I didn't see any big takeaways because we just had IU Media Day. We just had Hoosier Hysteria. Uh, I, I, no real changes or surprises, I thought, from an IU perspective there yesterday. Yeah, and a lot of us didn't go. Is another piece to it, to it. Is there anybody who was there at IU Media Day who was trying to push the narrative forward? Uh, there just weren't too many people in Minneapolis. Um, you know, just, you know, and that's not the call of the reporters. That's the call of the people, the people who, uh, you know, uh, signed the paychecks and signed the travel expense checks, uh, and so that's not us. And we weren't in Minneapolis, so we weren't really, you know. Obviously, there there were a handful. I know a few people went up. I know, um, I think the rivals crowd went. Um, I'm not sure who else. So there were not not as many uh, sort of local reporters to try to drive for another story that we didn't already get at IU Beat Media Day. I, I, IU Media Day. So you know, a lot. It was like more. Than, National folks and, and people that at other outlets, that, you know, covering other teams that might have been a little bit closer to Minneapolis. So there wasn't as much to kind of drive the conversation. Um, you know, basically, this wasn't a form, in the form of a media crowd about IU uh, for that reason. We're just we're used to being able to just do this in India and fall out of bed and go over to you know Gainbridge or just drive up to Chicago or something like that. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, not, not a whole lot stood out. I mean, I think obviously, I think Mike talked a little bit about scheduling. He talked a little bit about Jalen Michifino. That's an interesting thing. I think, uh, the, the interesting quote that I saw out there was that Trace compared him to Io, uh, which is intriguing because that's, yeah, and, uh, Mike Woodson said, I don't know who that is. So I guess he wasn't, you know, because he was gone by the time they would have done draft preparation on Io and, uh, was, you know, wasn't around for, for IO's last year. So, so he managed to sort of fit in that window that Mike didn't know who he was. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, but I, I think it is interesting how much they're willing to sell Jalen at this point. Um, and you know, the fact that Trace is pretty far out there saying that he thinks he's, a, he's he could be a one and done and he's, a, he's an NBA type player early in his career. Yeah. Interesting stuff for sure. Uh, along the big 10 lines, <clears throat> 
I was looking at the schedules for different teams yesterday, and you notice that Indiana is the only school without a secret scrimmage because they have the two exhibition games. Kind of interesting, Indiana is the only one without a secret scrimmage. Yeah, no, interesting they decided to do that. Uh, interesting that that's what, uh, I mean, I, I don't know what the reasoning is. It might be, you know, because they took some more chances in non-conference. They had a few, uh, you know, fewer conference or fewer home games and they needed, you know, some stuff to, uh, you know, fill out that schedule. Uh, not, not fill out that schedule, but basically, uh, you know, just bring in more money. And, uh, obviously, that's the important piece there. That's why I always IU always tries to get as many home games as they can is, is they generally sell the place out or come close to it. And they make a lot of money on basketball games. So even exhibition games obviously do really well, and they draw you know ten thousand a minute, and probably closer to fourteen, fifteen. Um, so that's going to you know that's going to help them financially. Um, I don't know why they decided they you know a lot of times you have one and one. You know you have one secret scrimmage so you can play somebody at your caliber, and you have uh, a a exhibition game so you can get people in the seats. Uh, but this year they obviously decided to. Do two exhibitions, so that I imagine that's some kind of financial reasoning there. Um, but you know, that's it, it. It is intriguing that nobody else in the Big Ten uh, is going to exhibitions. All right, sorry about that. Back with you, Dustin Dopirak. My guest got disconnected for a moment. Sorry, Dustin, but continue on. We were talking about Indiana, one of the schools, the only school in the Big Ten conference to not have a secret scrimmage due to having two exhibition games that are open to fans. Yeah, no, it's it's. I, I, like I said, I, I presume it's for financial reasons. Uh, you know, basically they're taking advantage of the opportunity to fill assembly hall a couple more times. Obviously, it's a it's a balance that you got to make every year and decide. Okay, you know, what, who can you schedule? Uh, what can you get out of a secret scrimmage? You know, and then balance against that. What what you know, basically the financial impact. Basically, if you, if you can have two exhibitions in your Indiana, you know, like there there are other places that maybe get one or two thousand, three thousand people for those games if they're lucky. Uh, you know, Indiana can get. 10, 12, 14, uh, maybe more. Uh, it's just for an exhibition, even though they're going to play Marion or in St. Francis. Uh, people will still show up just to see Indiana play basketball, regardless of who it's against. Um, so I get it. I mean, they obviously went with zero exhibitions last year, and they're just flipping on the other side this year. I, I, you know, again, I just presume that's a financial thing. I, I presume it's, it's trying to take advantage of the money there. Um, and you know, with it being back to 100%, uh, you know, basically after COVID, I mean, I guess, I guess that's, that's my, my guess. Is that that's the reason? That's what's sort of driving it. Is the opportunity to make a little money. Obviously, they did push uh, scheduling a little bit in the non-conference. Uh, they're going to have some time without games in December, um, without home games in December. So I guess you know this is sort of a reason to you know get get some money on the front end um, and bring a couple of, you know teams in there uh, as opposed to trying to play somebody in secret scrimmage. So I don't know. I mean, I think uh, is it good for the team? Uh, probably not. Is it good for the department? Yeah, probably. Dustin, let's go back to the IUUK possibilities. Text from a texter on the Thornton's text line says, <clears throat> excuse me, my guess is Calipari will be retired before the IUUK games in Assembly Hall. Talk around Louisville is that he will retire in the next two to three years. That way he will not have to play at Indiana. I, I have no idea about Calipari, his future at Kentucky or a possible retirement in future years, but Take take us back along those lines to that IUUK game, the Watt shot year. Did, didn't Calipari publicly have some comments about fans and the corpse storming at IU that came out? Oh yeah, he was upset about it. I think there was a uh, there there was a woman who I think got at least mildly injured, um, and I, maybe she got a concussion or something like that. 
Um, yeah, there was there were stories that that came out about UK fans who went to the game uh, getting hurt in some way. Now, what the extent of their injuries were, whether they were hospitalized, whether they really had to be checked out, or whether they just got bumped and bruised, I don't, I can't remember as far as that was concerned. Um, if I recall correctly, there was a woman who had a following for reasons, if I'm not mistaken, but I don't want to I, I don't want to speculate on those because I'm not sure if I have had that right. Um, but uh, point of the matter. Yeah, I, I think that was the thing is that he just was not a fan of that, and it was wild. I mean, let's be real. I mean, like it was crazy uh, when it got down there. I mean, it's not like it was nobody was fighting anybody or whatever, but like, I mean, you're talking in the span of like thirty seconds, that entire like floor filled up with humans. I mean, and just it just descends, you know, just like humanity just flows like water down from those bleachers, and uh, I could see how that's not the safest place in the world to be. And I can see how it's not, you know, if, if your your kids are on the court and there's that many people running in their general direction, you know, is that the safest thing? Uh, and I think that was the thing, is especially at that point in time, you know, this, this is when Kentucky rules the world. Obviously, they end up winning the national championship that year. But, you know, they were right there just about every year because they were getting, you know, the number one class in the country every single year. And they were sending three, four, five guys to the NBA after one year every single year. So they were aware that they were the target, even the years that they didn't win the title. Uh, they were the team that everybody was gunning for uh, and trying to beat. And so if you beat them during the regular season, you were probably going to lose your mind. Uh, and so if you did it at, at your place, that's what it was going to be like. And I think that was sort of his thing is that, like, any time we play at somebody else's gym, uh, we run the risk for this happening. We've got to do it so many times a year in the SEC, but I don't really want to do it when I don't have to. Uh, you know, I don't want to do it when I'm not required. And so I think that was sort of his... Uh, his logic, and I, and I see where he's coming from, but obviously it still, you know, ruins really good rivalries. And, and, and he was ultimately saying, you know, my my view is that that what I want out of this uh, is more important. And he could, you know, he could he could you know claim safety is an issue, um, but obviously it makes it tougher to beat them, you know, it, it, and makes it tougher to win at somebody else's gym. I mean, like the the atmosphere, but something else. I mean, I mean, I don't think I'll ever experience anything like that day. Uh, you know, basically just this, the amount, because, I mean, they had a whole week between games. They had beaten North Carolina State. You know, they were un- Indiana was undefeated, and it was, like, after being just at the absolute bottom of the three previous years. Um, and there was just so much hype. That whole week uh, was leading up to it. was like a football game. You know, it was more like a football game in terms of hype, and you don't get that in basketball very often when you have that much time. Um, you know, and, and, you know, from a media standpoint, and we got to build it up, but we had all kinds of stories that week. And I remember we were going down to the gym and there was people camping out on like a Tuesday. It was crazy. It was totally wild. And, and so, I mean, it was deafening loud in there an hour before tip, you know, basically like when they let those kids in there, it was like, it might even been two hours. I mean, like, like an hour, hour and a half before tip, like a long time before there was basketball to be played. It was loud. Um, and it was jacked from there from tip to the end. And so it was like, I get how if you're Kentucky, you're like, I don't need that in my life. I really don't. Um, so I get how Calipari viewed it that way. Um, but it obviously just you know, broke up uh, one of the great rivalries, I think, in college basketball. Um, and so if, you're, if, if you were to tell me that Calipari's had enough and he's ready to peace and go do something else for the rest of his life, and he's like, yeah, you know what, you guys can go create this series for when I'm out of here, uh, then it, w- it would not shock me. If that's the ultimate explanation, that Calipari is just like, all right, I'm not going to be here too much longer, so you guys can negotiate this on the assumption that I'm going to be out after three years. I get it. I can see that coming. Yeah, yeah, no surprise. Uh, Dustin Doperak, the Bloomington Herald Times, with me. Before we let you go, just a quick comment on football. Indiana uh, and Maryland, the game is in Bloomington this weekend. 
I think earlier I had said a road game, uh, 3.30 for Indiana coming up. Maryland an 11-point favorite. What's a thumbnail sketch on your thoughts on Maryland and what type of game this will be for Indiana? Yeah, I mean, I haven't delved into them too deep later, but they've obviously been able to score score a lot, you know, uh, at least a decent bit. I mean, they're 127 on Michigan. Um, you, know, Tal- you know, the other tag of Iloa, Talia, has uh, you know, obviously put together a pretty good career at Maryland, so when you've got a quarterback that you can trust, they can create a lot of offense. Uh, that gives you a crack at it, so that's kind of where they start. Um, but you know, they, they've got some other pieces, um, and, and they've been challenging even for the teams they've lost to. Obviously, they played uh, Purdue pretty close and lost to them by two points. Uh, so this is going to be a tough one, um, I think, but it's a game that, you know, obviously Indiana has already lost a game it needed to win, so, that, so every game that's on that need-to-win list is even more of a need-to-win. Um, you know, they're running out of time uh, to, to get them win, to, to put them in good position because they get to November and they get Penn State and Ohio State in a row, and that's going to be pretty brutal with Michigan State Purdue are more beatable than I thought they were at the beginning of the year, but but that they're still not easy. So they need they need wins these next two weeks if they're going to have any chance of anything with Maryland and Rutgers coming up. Uh, you know they got to grab these two and hope that there's a win between Purdue and Michigan State um, in November. But it's going to be tough. I mean, so yeah, I mean looking at Tiger Vilo's stats, you know, 1,700 yards already, 74 percent of his passes. Uh, you know, got some receivers that are making some plays. You know, not terrible defensively. Uh, so you know, tough. Tough one, and obviously they got to come off of firing an assistant coach in the middle of the week, uh, or or on Sunday. So it's going to take some rallying um, for this group to get right. Uh, but uh, it's important that they do find a way to get right. Dustin Dopierak of the Bloomington Herald Times. He joins us Wednesdays. Dustin, thanks for being with us. Sorry about getting disconnected there for a moment, and we'll talk with you again next week. Sounds good. Thanks, man. All right, we'll head to a commercial break. Come back with a. Final segment of our Wednesday program. It's a segment where we focus on local sports. Josh Cook, sports editor of the News and Tribune, will join. Final week of high school football coming up. Also, volleyball sectionals last night. Providence had an early challenge from Silver Creek, but was able to hang on. Providence down in 3A this year after being in 4A recently. Uh, Can they win that sectional and do some damage in the state tournament? We'll talk about it next with Josh. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. I'll handle this the way I want to handle it now that I'm here. You f***ed it up to begin with. Now just sit there or leave. I don't give a what you do. Now, back to the game. Here's Matt Dennison. All right, we're back here on this Wednesday program. Unable to connect with Josh Cook today, but we'll still keep it local here in this segment and close out our Wednesday show. Volleyball sectionals underway. One of the games highlighted last night was Providence and Silver Creek. The Pioneers, a 2A school by attendance, by enrollment, I should should say, had worked their way up to 4A. Now 3A for the Providence team, and they took on a solid Silver Creek team who had some success in the state tournament the last couple of years. And uh, Providence uh, fended off an early challenge. The first set went to the Pioneers 30-28. Providence won the second set 25-18 and finished off the Dragons 25-14. But a good game to start off the local 3A sectional. But lots of volleyball action this week with the champions scheduled for uh, coming up on uh, Saturday night as well at most of the local sectionals uh, as well. So that's going to be fun. Uh, sectional football is just around the corner, and I think we've highlighted 
a lot of those sectionals, uh, the one I'm going to be paying attention to is the 1A sectional that Providence is in. The Pioneers will open up with Springs Valley on October 21st. And uh, if they win that game, they'll take on the winner of West Washington and Eastern Green. West Washington is competitive. There's no question about that. Uh, but Providence and West Washington, a good game. If the Pioneers can get all the way out to the championship game on November 4th, very likely they would meet up with Tecumseh, who is undefeated at 8-0, and heading into the final week of the regular season. Uh, so that could be fun in 1A. The Pioneers, somebody to watch in that sectional for sure. Also, sectional 39, that is where Clarksville is at. They'll open up against Eastern Pekin, and if the Generals can muster a win there in sectional first-round play, they'll take on the winner of Switzerland County and Indianapolis Cecina. That's the top half of the sectional 39 bracket. Also, in 3A, uh, some teams to watch. That's where Charlestown is definitely uh, worth paying attention to and seeing what they can do in sectional 32. Charlestown will open up with Salem, and if the Pirates can win in the first round, they'll get the winner of Madison and Heritage Hills. I believe Heritage Hills has a solid team, a decent team this year. The other side of that sectional 32 bracket is Scottsburg against Corden and North Harrison against Southridge. So don't know much about Southridge, but it's possible that we see a North Harrison and Charlestown championship game if both can come out of their respective uh, sides of the bracket. There's no question about that. Also in 4A football locally, Silver Creek, the sectional 23 competitor, they open up with Jennings County in their first round. Unfortunately for the Dragons, if they can muster a win against Jennings County, and I think they can, uh, they'll take on the winner of Edgewood and East Central. And East Central's been a power uh, in high school football in our state now for many years. 5A, got some local teams in there. Floyd Central will open against Evansville North in sectional 16. Also in that same side of the bracket, New Albany will open on the October 28th with Castle. So if the Bulldogs and Highlanders could both win their first round game, they would take on each other in a sectional semifinal game November 4th. But again, that sectional, some tough teams. Bloomington North is in there. Bloomington South, Columbus East, Evansville North, Castle. Uh, we'll see if any of our locals can get a win and move on even into a second round. 6A, Jeffersonville, tough season for the Devils. Uh, tough sectional draw. They'll take on Columbus North in 6A. And if they were to win that game, they would get likely Center Grove, who we know the powerhouse they are uh, in our state in, in big school football. So definitely some tough games ahead, some interesting games. But can we have a sectional winner? Can Providence get it done in 1A? Can Charlestown compete for one in 3A? I think those are our two best hopes here in Clark and Floyd Counties. That's going to wrap things up for this Wednesday edition of the program. Don't forget, if you missed the live show, you can always find us as a podcast. We're available wherever you listen to podcasts. All you got to do is search for The Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. And I'll catch you Thursday at 11 a.m. This is The Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison.